0: Pierce the Thirteenth is a great poem, but life evolves in spite of us. I'm the new Pope. Who is that Pope now? Who is that Pope now? Hi, everyone. Welcome to Papal Bull Resurrection, PenBite.com's new Pope podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Meredith Kay, Features and Trending Editor for Fanbyte.com, and joining me as always is Eric Thurm, Fanbyte's Chief Liturgical Correspondent, and this week we are joined by a special guest. Eric, would you like to yes. introduce our guest? Uh,
1: our special guest this week is Sarah Jones, a staff writer at New York Magazine. We're really excited to have you on the show.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Uh I'd love to start off with a segment that we've done with all of our guests' called <laughs> Confessional
2: Oh no uh
1: yes, where we we ask our guests to sort of briefly talk about their relationship to the church as sort of broadly construed uh as well as the first season of the of the Young Pope because I think we love to hear how people discover this this wonderful franchise,
2: yeah, so I grew up aggressively Protestant. Uh, my parents are conservative evangelicals. I was homeschooled. I went to Bible college, so that's and then I went to the dark side. So that's my relationship with the church, and I didn't actually have much exposure at all to Catholicism growing up kind of as a result of that. Um, now I report a lot on religion and faith. Um, I'm about to marry a lapsed Catholic, so I have learned a little bit more about Catholicism in my adulthood. Um, but I, you know, I watched... The first season of the young the young pope and i was kind of confused by it at first i didn't like what the fuck is going on there's a kangaroo and maybe something mystical is happening with the kangaroo but i can't really tell and i kind of wonder if i'm not, not on enough drugs to like figure this out and then i ended up just completely falling in love with the idea of an atheist pope who can do miracles but he's not sure why and he's really uncomfortable with it and i'm hooked so here we are with with the new pope and i'm i'm still hooked
1: uh how does your fiance feel about the show
2: he's really fascinated by it like he's from an irish catholic background and this is very very italian like I feel it's a very italian show so we've both been getting a kick out of it and like uh it's been interesting to think about sort of the cultural differences and american catholicism especially um but yeah so we we watched it together it's good
1: Yeah, that's been a recurring theme of this season of the podcast, people talking to us about being Irish Catholic Mm -hmm. and being like, this is not my, not my church.
2: Yeah, no, it's really different. And I don't like, I don't want to put words in his mouth. But like, I think, you know, it's, it's very different from like the working class Irish Catholicism that a lot of uh, that he came from, and that I think a lot of other people came from. So
1: just once, I would love for, like, a, a character to show up on this who just is, like, randomly, extremely, you know, like, Colin Farrell shows up. <laughs> right, and yeah. he's just like, oh, look, I'm, a, I'm an Irish Catholic. I and wanna, they're like.
2: How do they feel about an English pope?
1: Right, exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't like he's,
1: he's, po- he's the English pope and he's, like, he's Catholic. But he's like Right, he's, Yay. like, a landed. It's very weird.
2: Like, I can't imagine that the Irish Catholics would be all that excited for this.
1: Yeah, but. maybe they're the ones who sabotage. Maybe, maybe the Irish Catholics have been whispering in his ear, and that's why he he <laughs> wow. makes some poor choices in this episode.
2: Mm, ethnic strife. <sighs>
1: As he he makes a, I can, can I think we can say definitively. I don't know if you disagree about this. He's a bad pope. I think we can say the definitively. He is
2: a yeah, bad pope now. I mean, he's bad at he, being the pope. Yes, he's a coward. He's right? a very he, fun
1: character.
0: Bad pope. Good at yeah. giving speeches. Bad at being the pope.
2: And I think he knows that. I, actually, I think you can see it. Like, he's coming to terms with the fact that he's a, he's a bad pope. And-
1: it's, it's interesting because he, he, you know, we don't even know, and we, we maybe can get into this later, of how long his papacy has lasted at this point. But especially in this episode, almost all of the stuff that we see him doing is just him sitting around playing the harp. Like, he doesn't do meetings. He doesn't do the thing that, like, Lenny did in The Young Pope where he would take sort of random audiences with world leaders and then be rude to them. Mm-hmm. Like, we we sort of get these brief meetings that he has with Sharon Stone and Marilyn Manson – Uh, and then some vague intrigue in which he is functionally a tennis ball being hit back and forth between Spalletta and Foyello Mm -hmm. and then he plays the harp
0: and that's it. It kind of just seems like he just listens to like whoever the last person was to give him a piece of advice or something. Right. Until he stops listening to Foyello.
2: Yeah. I feel like he's also more inward looking than Pius was. Like Pius... Is, is an atheist, but he knows he, he like he has power of some kind and it makes him uncomfortable. So he's continually trying to like seek out God and talk to God about this and try to get God to talk to him and, you know, you see that sort of manifested in his quest to find his parents. Like he's he's looking outward. He's trying to he's trying to find God and you don't really see that with John Brannox's character at all, I think.
0: Is it like a requirement that you have to have parental trauma to be the Pope? <laughs> well on this
1: show, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. on this one of the we've talked about this a little bit. One of my favorite things about this show is that it it posits the papacy as like a bar mitzvah, essentially, right? That like, especially in the interview, which like we'll we'll get into a little bit more, but Brannox does this big televised interview and he essentially articulates his entire life as being his childhood. Mm-hmm. Then his brother dies. Then sort of a long extended adolescence, and then he becomes the pope. Mm-hmm. That's like the only right. sort of other relevant event that could possibly happen. Uh, and I find that really interesting that the the two characters who have been the pope, or I guess three, but we we don't get the interiority of Francis II sadly. Uh, they they think of their lives as essentially not having begun in full uh, until they have assumed power over a billion Catholics.
2: Right, it does kind of read like a case of ar- Arrested Development for both of them. Like, yeah,
1: and now the story of one cardinal. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Boyello is the one trying to keep the family <laughs> together, right? <laughs> yeah,
2: know he is.
1: Wow, I mean, yeah, if we're, yeah, and and his Secretary of State Sophia. Da, da, da. Okay, we're we're going to move on from this this Arrested Development gag, uh, but yeah, and, and he he. We can sort of see him get squeezed in this episode because he knows that things are sort of about to crumble uh, and his attempt to keep them together, as, you know, is just not going well. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what is happening in the, cause like Spalletta seem the, the conspirators seem to sort of make their big move mm-hmm. in this episode or we get a fuller sense of what their plan is. What, and, like fucking children? So, yeah, that's part of the future. (laughs)
2: Yeah, right.
1: They definitely, they definitely, (gasps) that's where the bunker is. Where? Okay, so we've been confused this whole time about where exactly the papal bunker is, especially because we see in this episode uh, an entrance to it that's sort of in this overgrown field. It, like, maybe is near a cemetery or something. And I think we can now officially confirm, having done some research, that the papal bunker is, in fact, on Little St. James. Is on what? (laughs) Little St. James. Did you? Was that what you thought I was going to say?
0: Is that where the pizza place is?
1: No, no, no. Little St. James is Jeffrey Epstein's island. Oh,
0: okay, I was going to say oh it's in the basement God. of that pizza place.
1: No, 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 no. It's on Little St. James because this, this is like real. This is not like the. Cons- this is not sure. like the fake. <laughs> this is like a real like gross pedophile thing. It's yeah,
2: like the little temple building on yeah. that island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's All what, right. I mean, actually, I would one hundred
1: percent believe that. That's like basically what the temple was.
2: Aesthetically, it fits. Yeah. Honestly, I heard that it was a gem, and I don't really believe that. But th- that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome
1: to the true and not crossover. <laughs> um, yeah, but but we 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 do see a lot more of what they're doing in here. And we yeah. get this scene of the conspirators, right? Tomas uh, Spalletta, the Italian finance minister, mm-hmm. and they're all just like passed out on couches in their underwear, while this like very obviously young girl is like dancing in the middle. Uh, and you know, the, the Ottoman is sort of covered with cigarettes and ashtrays and booze and four un. I, yeah, that's yeah, what I was no, sorry, Okay, We're on the same <laughs> now page. Now that I'm this. thinking
0: about it, there's four lines of Coke that have not been done.
1: That they just mm. passed out early. They were like, ah, shit, like I'm getting yeah, old. Yeah, old, I yeah old like am like, the they shots left now. Four
0: lines of Coke out? Like, yeah. Oh. That's right, it's a lot of money. Weird set dressing. Yeah. And you well, it's
1: not because it's like it's like you get this that right, it's like it's communicating that that's what they've been doing. But yeah. if you like <laughs> really think about it, it's you like, can just
0: have a kind of dusty mirror with right, a like, credit exactly. card on it. Yeah,
1: exactly. But no, they have to be four lines, and clearly they had all sort of like been taking turns doing them, and then they all like got very ambitious and put them all out. Um yeah, it's very weird and she just keeps dancing, even though they're all passed out. Um and then when she leaves and, and gets into a car to, to be taken to what we learn is a high school uh, of some kind, Sophia follows her.
0: We kind of skipped why. We, skip yeah, we did skip why, yeah, we did skip why. She's confronted by, like, the creepiest Man, in this entire show, yeah, uh, this is guy.
1: this this episode's uh, dude of the century installment, yeah.
0: Leopold Essence. Yes, oh my Le- God. Leopold <laughs>
1: Essence whom no one knows. Which,
0: just like this, Coen Brothers-ass name and character, who like speaks with a southern accent and wears an eye patch. Like, are you fucking kidding me?
1: And has a pet roach.
0: And yeah. has like the roaches that just like crawl out of his sleeve. Yeah, yes. like he's made of bugs.
2: Yeah. like the Men in Black thing. Yeah, yeah or, yeah, or, or yeah, yeah. Oogie Boogie yeah he's just like
0: sewn together he's a sack full of bugs
1: yes he's a sack full of bugs he has like a creepy eye patch he basically looks like I mean he basically looks the way honestly that that the the protagonist of Preacher looks at the end of Preacher uh, because God rips his eye out uh, by biting it out I believe Uh, but he looks like either like a Coen Brothers assassin or just some weird right he's like this pulp archetype and he shows up to go talk to Sophia in the cafeteria at the Vatican. And, like, I don't know what he's, like, saying to her, he really. He says, like,
0: he he gives the speech about, like, perversions of love. Like, he, like, quotes the pontiff. And then he says something like, follow the love. Follow the love. And then he's, like, tapping on this flan with his spoon.
2: And it makes a horrible squelching. Yeah, it makes man. a yeah. real
1: horrible squelching. And,
0: yeah. uh, yeah, I know. And he, it's kind of, like, intimidating. But also he's kind of just, like,
1: telling her... He he does, and then he also says, I'm the second most intelligent yeah. man in the world. Which like, Who's the first? Yeah, I know. I thought the implication was supposed to be that it was Tomas, right? Because he says he says, I'm the second most intelligent man in the world, by the way, or like related to that, uh, let's talk about your husband.
2: It's clearly
0: Voyalo. Voyello, isn't
1: it? Okay, is it Voyalo it might be Voyalo. I mean, I think it's Voyello, obviously. I yeah. thought maybe yeah. I thought maybe he was implying that it was Tomas as a like his you know as like a backhanded compliment of being like, your husband's too clever for his own good, and now he's, I don't know. Maybe not.
2: Huh. Okay. Could be. Could be. But I think uh, we all secretly know Voyello. Yeah, oh, it's, it's obviously Voyello.
1: But he, yeah, she follows them, and and uh, shit starts to go downhill for everybody after that. Because she goes to Voyello, who, and this, their, prof- I love their professional relationship. Sure. How, do you, so how do you feel about their professional relationship? We talked about this a little bit last week.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting to me. I think there's clearly a sense of mutual respect back there they like they understand each other very very well and they see each other very clearly and they both have these you know they they know that they fill these respective niches within within the the functioning of the vatican and for both of them it kind of means that they get their hands dirty a little bit and i think both of them are also in this position that we've kind of touched on already where they're both trying to keep everything together and try to keep it working
1: yeah i they're the only characters on the show who are both like good people mostly and also good operators Mm -hmm. like if you were creating an alignment chart almost everybody either is like a good catholic or a good operator and not both and i think they're the only people who manage to sort of like fit in that quadrant
2: are there any good catholics on the show
1: well people who are like i mean lenny is like holy right he's not a good operator but he definitely is like a holy person in some capacity But I don't think, I mean, maybe this is too theological. I think he's still a holy, even if he doesn't believe it, he's still a holy person in the show. Yeah, God is
2: still using him.
1: Tommaso, I think, also is kind of like a, right, he's like very fervent in his, like, Franciscan Mm -hmm. devotion, but he's, like, not good at playing the Vatican game because he gets murdered. Yeah. Right? Or, like, I mean, Branix probably is the best example of that, right? He, like, has this very intense and, like, tortured and quote-unquote poetic relationship with God, but Mm -hmm. he, like, does not know how to operate in the Vatican. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Or Gutierrez is another good example, right? There are, like, a lot of people yeah, who I Gucci think House have, like, strong connections to their faith but don't know how to, like, be political in the Vatican. Yeah. And I, I think they're the only two people who do that, which makes sense because she she's mad that he doesn't really care, yeah. right? He's like, I already knew about Spalletta, and I don't really care about the other guys because they're laymen. And she's, like, pissed that he doesn't care because she's like, I just found out my husband is a pedo. Like, can you... Be sad, right. yeah. and he's like, "I will try." <laughs> um, it's
2: sweet that he makes an effort. He, yeah,
1: it is nice, but he, well, but his effort does not go well because no. he goes to the Pope, and he's like, "Hey, dog, I got some bad news for you." And we get this really interesting shot, actually, uh, of of Branx, who also has been listening to the broadcast of uh, Pius's breathing yeah. after he told everyone to turn it off in the last episode. He just is listening to it by himself. Uh, Voyello asks Brannox if he wants to be told this news. And we get this really interesting shot of John Malkovich. His face is, like, taking up the whole frame. And he's kind of, like, leaning with his head in his hands because he just knows it's going to make shit worse for him. Mm-hmm. Like, every time he learns more about what people actually <laughs> were like, he just is like, oh
2: Right, and he, I think he knows he's, like, increasingly out of his depth. Yeah, and it, like it's sinking
1: in. He he is he is getting caught deeper into the in the vice, um, and the, then he so he confronts Spalletta about this, and he's like, "We need to rethink things." Um, there is a lot going on in this conversation, uh, mostly. I wanted to point out that he frames his criticism of Spalletta being a pedophile specifically in terms of what other people will say about him. Mm-hmm. He's like, people will say that John Paul the Third did nothing, and it's like, is that really your first priority? I mean, yeah, he's the Vatican, I
2: like know. he's the Secretary Ugh. of State.
1: No, like, he's not. No, no. Brannix. Yeah, he's a pope.
0: Oh wait! Oh, Brannock is saying this. Yeah, no, I thought you were talking about one boy. No, no, no,
1: because no, Brannock is saying this to Spalletta. Oh yeah, right when he's like, when he's like, you gotta cut this out.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And and he's like, Spalletta, I'll look bad. Uh, and Spalletta claims that they've been trying to make the financial minister happy, quote unquote, so that he will uh, make sure that the prime minister does not destroy the church by retroactively taxing the property, <laughs> right. which is like buck wild and would right. honestly be very funny.
2: Yeah, I read it, and this could just be as like a, a hammer seeing a nail everywhere, but I did kind of interpret it as like a, a commentary on class relations a bit because you have Brannix, who's this aristocrat. He's like, Look, nobody can find out about this. His first concern is appearances, and it's really difficult to imagine Pius doing or Oh, reacting he does not. He like, no, just fucking sent
0: someone to, yeah, Antarctica. he would not care yeah, at all. Like in and, a heartbeat.
2: Right, and like Brannix is very concerned about how it looks and scandal
1: that's yeah that makes a lot of sense definitely there's like a lot of weird like how will it look to the neighbors
2: and granted like what's come out about the English upper class over time Mm. yeah I don't know
1: yeah I mean because Branix talks a lot about how he knows Meghan Markle I would love to hear him asked in this interview about his relationship with Prince Andrew
2: yeah Um, (laughs)
1: But you know, and I mean, he's at the intersection of two very bad institutions: the yeah. English monarchy and the Roman Catholic mm-hmm. Church. Just like woof, yeah. Um, but but he he you know he also I think like on on the what you're seeing with class, like he clearly doesn't know enough about how institutions work and about money to like know how to respond to this because Boletta clearly lying. Right? Like, do you guys agree that Boletta is lying to him mm-hmm. about this? I think it's,
0: it's not untrue, but like... It's like,
1: like most... Because it's not... He's not only, right, he's like also doing no, yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. yeah, it's This not, is his plan.
0: Yeah, it's like he is enriching himself absolutely yes. as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, like... He's
1: not like, oh, what was me? I found myself in this difficult situation. Like,
0: oh, if I must have sex with a child to save the church, then I will. No, he's like... <sighs> he's crazy about it. Yeah. He's no, like, he I'm going to leave these it. lines of coke out.
2: Right. It's going to be a whole thing. Yeah, he's really into it. and. Brennick strikes me as somebody, like, he's never had to learn how institutions work, and he's never had to learn how money works. Other people do that for him. Right, he
1: doesn't even know, remember when the Cardinals visit him, he doesn't know how big his estate is. Yeah. And he's like, I've never thought about
2: it. Yeah, he's clearly never had to think about it, and so... Yeah, I, it's just a really interesting contrast with with Pius.
1: Well, and, and it's an interesting contrast, actually, with Francis II. Yeah. Considering that Francis II's whole thing was, like...
2: Cleaning up the church.
1: Well, not just cleaning up the church, but, like, giving away everybody's money. Yeah. It was, like, us making the church an explicitly, like, working class or, like, poor, like, institution.
2: Yeah, and he knew that was a way to break the power of people, like, Spoleto, like... Francis II was right.
1: Yeah, he definitely was right about a lot of stuff. He except was for annoying. watching Except for watching everyone masturbate. He was right He was, <laughs> not right
2: that. He was annoying. <laughs> His
1: one he mistake. He's right. Yes. Oh, I, I miss him. Uh, and he does, I mean, Branix asks Suri at, uh, in this episode, whether she liked Pius or Francis II more, even though Francis II is obviously a stand-in for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's like, oh, I liked Pius more because he believed in me. And he's like, I believe in you too. You just have to also believe in me. And it's like, I don't know, man, you're the Pope. Don't believe in me. Don't believe in you.
0: Believe in the me that believes in you. <laughs> <laughs> With this drill, we'll pierce the heavens or something. I don't know. That's an anime, I, I bet.
2: I think... Do
0: I, you think I, John Brennix has watched anime?
1: He's definitely watched Vatican Miracle Examiner, <laughs> but as as avid listeners of the podcast will know, uh, the episode in which I discuss the anime series Vatican Miracle Examiner will be a bonus episode. Oh, God.
2: I I think he was also paraphrasing something Jesus says in in the Gospels to his followers, but I, I don't. Oh, I well, take what the, what
1: is well we we should we should take advantage of the fact that you actually know more about the stuff than we do.
2: Well, I have to like look it up because like granted, my memory is kind of rusty at that point, but I I do think. If I'm not mistaken, that is something Jesus says to his followers, you know, believest thou also in me. And I feel like he might have been trying to paraphrase that a little bit, but maybe I'm reading too much into it.
1: No, that I mean that definitely makes sense. It yeah. definitely sounds like a thing he would do. Uh yeah. And like I don't know. He he clearly needs that, right? Because he then sort of uh Betrays Voyello. It's very, very sad.
2: All of these characters are just black holes of need. Every single one of them. Mm-hmm. Pius, branix even Voyello.
1: Yeah, he has to give orders. <laughs> yes. Which, yeah, that's where we're getting into that scene because he he Voyello tells. There's a scene. Voyello and branix are are sort of standing on like a terrace. Uh, and their outfits are very obviously color-coordinated because Voyello is in all black and the Pope is in all white. Uh, and he lays out not just the sex scandal, but also the fact that there are financial crimes mm-hmm. and that they all have been embezzling money from the church. Uh, and that there's going to be a scandal and he has to get rid of it. And, I I mean, the thing that he sa- the Pope says to this is... Speaking of the the class conversation we were having earlier, Mm -hmm. he says, because I I, I wrote down this quote, quote, Scandal leaves me indifferent, as does reputation. Those are concerns for the petite bourgeoisie.
2: Yeah, that's the other reason I said that about the the class thing. Like, he's really is concerned about appearances and how, like, Yeah.
1: Proper form polished to perfection becomes <laughs> mystical. But he, yeah, so he says this, but he he clearly is like, it's obvious bullshit, right? He's mm-hmm. like, oh, like, I don't care about reputation because I'm above that. And it's like the only thing he cares about. Yeah, uh, absolutely.
2: He wants to be taken seriously as a pope, so he has to care about his reputation.
1: He's uh, just pretending. Yeah, he has no internal sort of, right, like, say what you will about pious, but he has this very strong sort of, like, internal faith in himself. Mm-hmm even if it's not, he doesn't have faith in God and he doesn't have faith in his relationship to God, he has, as soon as he makes a decision, he has, like, 100% faith in himself.
2: And he has principles. Yeah. He does. Like, he might not be sure about the whole God thing, but, you know, he does have very strong moral convictions about, well, abortion and, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh,
1: and he, he, but, but Brannox fires Voello as Secretary of State, which we, I think, are sort of led to believe is a consequence of him going after Spalletta. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, he talks about how, oh, Voyello, you spent your whole life giving orders. And Voyello says, I adore giving orders. It's my whole life. <laughs> Which, like, is very self-aware, I think, yes. about this stuff. Like, yeah. say what you will about him as, like, uh, his other choices and stuff. He, like, knows who he is. Oh, absolutely. And is very com- comfortable with his own sort of, like, choices and identity. Um, but he gets fired, and then he, he talks to Sophia in a scene in which Sophia tells Voyello that he looks lifeless. And then Voyello goes on his really, really good Vatican farewell tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, did, did either of you guys have a favorite part of the Voyello Vatican farewell tour?
2: As the nuns for the me. Because yeah. I, I loved the nun strike. I'm very pro nun strike. And so when he sits down and has his conversation with them is my
1: favorite yeah he like walks into their play session and just like catches their ball the
2: where he just <laughs> drops it
0: it's so
1: good uh and then he like sits down with them and basically lays out all of the information that luigi has collected for him over the course of the last couple episodes mm-hmm. he reassigns uh the nun who was the victim of abuse to attend to the pope so that she can get away from the other nuns he sends one of them to therapy. He even sets up, and I really love this, mm-hmm. he sets up, like, a fake orphanage yeah. in the Vatican that will basically be the way that they, like, keep, like, secret priest babies, which I'm, like, a little surprised that doesn't exist already. But just for sake of of this episode, I really love it. He, he makes the abbess an appointment, um... With an oncologist. Mm-hmm. He's like, you refuse to confront this problem. So I've decided to confront it for you. Uh, and then he also, God, once he finishes making these arrangements for the baby.
2: It's very, it's very cute. <laughs> it's so he cute. He suggests that
0: they name the baby after him.
1: Yeah. And then they're like, what if it's a girl? And he's like still Angela. It's, it's still a Angela. unisex name.
0: It's like, Which is not Dude, sure. it's not true. <laughs> Angela is like
1: the, Yeah. Very powerful. It's just like so, but he just like writes like he doesn't give a shit anymore. He's just like, yeah, I don't care. I'm the type of guy who wants for this baby to be named after me, and I've earned it. Mm. Uh, I love this. The scene is great, but then he also has one other big piece of his Vatican farewell tour, uh, in which we get a second scene, a second uh, uh, Sylvia Orlando Parent Trap oh, moment. Wow. Mm. Uh, Because Hernandez is back and we get this very weird scene that's like constantly breaking the 180 degree rule, uh, in which as his like basically last act or one of his last acts, Voyello makes Hernandez a missionary in Kabul. Uh, And he he's just like in Kabul, there are no pedophile priests. And his acting is so, like, can we just take a second to talk about how good Silvio Orlando is in this episode? Yeah. Because he plays both of these characters so well. His Orphan you?
2: Black moment is really yeah. good.
1: Uh, and he's just, like, because he, he's, like, really funny as Hernandez in this scene mm-hmm. in a way that he's not. Like, as Royello, even when he's funny, there's always this, like, pathos to him. Yeah. And he gets to just, like, totally be the idiot, like, butt of the joke. Hernandez in this one when he like squeals a little bit mm-hmm. it's just unbelievable just the pause
2: r- before he squeals yeah. like delayed reaction and he's
1: he- he's like pretty he's like his brain is taking a while to process the fact that he's getting sent to Kabul like just really really yeah. powerful uh, really incredible and and sort of by the end of this episode, Voyello is in, functionally in the wilderness.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, he's gone back to hang out with his friend Don Mimo and Girolamo. And I guess this is just like where he lives now.
0: <laughs> he just lives in this tiny greenhouse. Yeah, he lives in a greenhouse. <laughs> yes.
1: um, which also helps explain uh, sort of the climax of this episode. Which, do we want to talk about that now? Or do we want to uh, go back
0: well, we haven't talked about the Oster subplot. Right. So basically the yeah. question
1: is do we want to do this now or do we want to do the Esther stuff now?
0: Uh let's do the Esther stuff and then just then we okay. can move on to like yeah. the Uh Welcome the to
1: interview. Welcome to the Yikes zone, I believe that's <laughs> what we're calling the segment. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Yeah, wow.
0: That's this subplot man. I mean like so there's the scene where like she's just seen that guy again and Yeah, then the Adonazio, and then the mom's like There's lots of other weird moms like me um, with sons that they keep locked up in bedrooms. And um,
2: definitely maybe have sex with.
0: And probably fuck.
1: Mm -hmm. uh, Go on.
0: And you should should do all of them for money. And she's like, okay, for 15,000 euros, I'll do it. And they're like, yeah, that's reasonable. That's a reasonable amount of money to pay.
2: That's um, really a group discount because if it was five thousand for the one, right? Cancel. Yeah, she could have gotten more. Um.
0: Yeah. Also, I I'd like to posit that this takes place in an alternate universe where the euro has become hyperinflated, <laughs> so that what is five thousand euros in the show would actually be more like five hundred like five hundred dollars or five hundred euros to us. Mm-hmm. Wow. Because again, that's a crazy amount of money. Um. Well, it is. it does.
1: Sorry.
2: No, no, it is a crazy amount of money. It's...
1: It does seem like she realizes that by the end yeah, of the Yeah, the mom episode. does
0: start to realize it, because after <laughs> Esther has seen, like, the full squad, and then Lenny just shows up to, like, look kind of, like, approvingly and kind of, like, patronizingly at one of these kids, um, the mom is like, okay, we're done, like... Uh, we found, I think she says, some African girls who were willing to do it for less. Which yeah, is just she like, does. She does say that. Hoof. Um,
1: she's like, you're old. We found some African girls.
0: Yeah. yeah, Like you're old. She's like, you're no longer a young woman. Like, how long is this supposed to have gone on?
2: She's like, been the same age. She's yeah. She time. hasn't
0: aged. Like it's been like at most a few months. Um, and she points out that like, oh Esther is like well off now because certainly if she's been making like five thousand uh, euros a week. She is, and, like, she has a house and a babysitter and all this shit.
1: Like, so she's, like, good. Her clothes are, no- are noticeably nicer. They are, yeah. yeah. Um, but she's kind although of, she's like. she's still not wearing a bra, which I suspect is a directorial decision. I would probably. Yeah. Although
0: French, so. Unclear. Who knows? Could be anybody's call. Yeah. Uh, but she is, like, in love with with him. Yeah. And doesn't want to go, and then the mom's like, Wait, no. can, we, "Can we
1: can we back up actually and talk about this big dance?" Scene oh yeah, we when get she's like this doing this mom. weird striptease for like yeah. this whole squad. I have I have a a, a thing I would like to pause it mm-hmm. and hear y'all's reaction to. I don't know why exactly. I think, and we haven't talked about this this category that much. I think this is the most Lynchian moment of the season so far. Ooh. I feel like the word Lynchian now comes with a, a caveat of people being like, "I hate when people call things Lynchian," which you have to say when you're using the word it's Lynchian. Cop-esque. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Gross. Uh, but there really is in this like right there she she's like dancing silently like there's no music mm-hmm. uh in the middle of the room in the in a storm and there's, and like just,
0: you're a lit like yeah. weird yeah. villa yeah and
1: the the camera sort of slowly moves around as you see the like different facial conditions of all of these men mm-hmm. which is like kind of alarming in the the sort of way i think it's actually not quite as bad as the first couple of episodes in this arc were um like it feels like the camera is treating at least some of them more humanely than it, it treated Adonasio earlier but uh, still not great and they're all wearing suits and just kind of like standing there staring and you almost get the sense right because there there is this genuine like david lynch thing where you have like a female character who is like the object of like all these other men like staring at them and you like literalize that gaze in this sort of like very discomforting way.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: I think that if you wanted to be charitable, you could say that's what the scene is going for, but it clearly is not. Mm-hmm. Because also these men are not like particularly powerful or like strong manifestations of like men, right? It's it's mm-hmm. not like she she's like doing this and there are like all these men who are, you know, like shitty Italian businessmen. Right. Uh, and so I, I don't know how to feel about it. It's just very weird.
2: Yeah, I mean, Softly. it's like it's like she's showing them charity. Well, like the mom
0: says. Yeah. You know the differences between a saint and a whore? Nothing. Nothing. Whoa.
2: Very galaxy brain.
1: Yeah. Moment. She killed it. She did it. Yeah, which is super weird. And like, I guess at this point, she now has fully committed to the, yeah, extent. So I think we've we've caught up now. She's. In love with Adonasio, I guess.
0: I guess. And Although it's just like, oh, I still only want to come here and see him once a week.
1: And also, and also you don't have to pay me, which is like, so you just like want his mom to like facilitate your weird like once a week to like, do Well, it.
0: I think she's just like, she has human contact basically. And like, yeah, has not really had that. Yeah. Um, And probably like there's this weird, cause this is a character who like, I don't know. Like, I think, yeah, like this is, she's like looking for Lenny basically. Right. And like somehow has like found a replacement for him here. Mm-hmm. Um And uh yeah, but she can't because the mom fucks her son. She
1: do fuck the son. Yeah. Yeah.
0: This mom is so creepy. Mom yeah, what, is a
3: freak.
1: No, no, what are, what
0: are everyone you, in this episode is perversions of love. It's, john paul iii was right
2: (laughs) esther is such an interesting character though to me like i feel like in in both seasons of of the show she's just constantly changing chasing meaning and like finds ways to be proximal to meaning without ever really finding it Mm. so through motherhood through her relationship with with lenny and now she has this role where you know she's so desperate um to be validated and to find meaning somewhere. She thinks she finds it here and is willing to come do it for free because she's genuinely getting something out of it.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and she. So she does what? Well, I want to say the quote specific quote that I want to say what the mom says, because I just want to confirm that we're, we're reading this correctly. Yeah, She says only I can love Atanasio in every sense, And it's like, first of all, So you're not hiring. I just. The sort of complicated financial and emotional situation in this household is really dark. Um, And she but she kicks Esther out. And then Esther does. Yeah. As you're saying what, what sort of any normal person would do in this situation.
2: Yeah. She does a strangle. Yeah, mm-hmm. she strangles incest mom, and really, who wouldn't? <laughs> she straight, yeah,
1: she strangles incest mom on um, the terrace. On the, the terrace, is like,
2: very dramatic. Uh, what a good setting for. A while strangling. we hear,
1: while we hear, like snakes in the background. I'm pretty sure there's some some like snake sound effects. Clearly, uh, incest mom must have done some sort of obnoxious tweets, <laughs> um, and now there are just snake responses uh, in the sort of soundtrack, uh, and it's really weird. She just and. The, she just, like, snaps, and I don't yeah. mean that in a, like, snapped way, although I kind of mean it in a snapped way, but that the editing of this is so brusque, mm-hmm. right? She just, like, goes and, like, grabs the, her throat, and there's no, like, mm-hmm. everything in this show has so much buildup, and this does not. It just happens.
2: Yeah, it's very brutal. I mean, it's it's really startling to see her, like, really put hands around somebody's neck and it's them up, in that way. And then,
0: like, beg Lenny to stop her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stay my hand.
1: Yeah. And it's crazy because I think also, it, are there any other instances of physical violence in this show?
3: Mm-hmm. Like,
1: there's a lot of people sort of having, like, medical emergencies, but I, I think that even, like, I can't think of another scenario where someone actually, like, puts hands on someone in a non, like, laying hands way.
2: Not yet. Not, what about when, in the first season, when uh, Pius' childhood friend is kind of kidnapped there?
1: Yeah, although we don't see... We don't see the
2: murder. They get, like,
1: manhandled a little bit, but it's not quite, like... Like, this is a real act of, like, violence that we're just seeing.
2: Yeah, it's weird. Like, we haven't seen Esther. I think it actually makes sense for her character that she's sort of pushed to this point. We, We certainly haven't seen her behave like that. And also, it's like... It's a little bit unusual for women to strangle people, right? Like it's the the gender stereotype is that women choose other means of of committing murder when they're, when they, when they are pushed to it. So it's an interesting choice.
1: Yes. Esther, we have to stand. She
2: broke (laughs) that glass ceiling. (laughs) She leaned in all the way. Where is
1: Esther's true crime podcast. That's when we'll
0: finally have equality.
1: God. Yeah. uh, We're actually pivoting this podcast and now being entirely about uh, Esther as a role model for women to use different modes of murder. First up, Esther. Second up, Sheryl Sandberg. Um, Esther's anyway. going
2: to throw a stapler at somebody's head.
1: <laughs> she would never. <laughs> Esther, throwing a stapler is too impersonal. Esther would...
2: Look you in the eyes.
1: Yeah. Well, also, she would get the stapler thrown at her.
2: Well, let's get
1: back to... Yes. Well, let's return to sort of the the, the meat of the episode. The murder... Um, because she prays to Lenny, and then we cut back to Lenny's hospital room, and he flicks his finger again, and then the mom just gets up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He can Lazarus
1: people. Pretty yeah, nice. and this is, this is the first time he's used his miracle powers for non-violent- To raise one from the dead rather than fucking killing them? I guess them. he, he yeah. healed that woman, but he's killed more people at this point. <laughs> his body yeah, what's count what's Lenny's is,
0: kill count?
1: His, like, his, is it just two? I don't know. He has huge DPS.
2: Mm-hmm. Or, uh, so he killed uh, the nun in Africa. Yes. The nun in Africa.
0: He might have killed someone else. Yeah, he, he
1: maybe. It depends on your theory of what happened to Francis II. He, like, maybe has responsibility for that one as well. Because remember, he does raise his finger before yeah. that. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. He does raise his finger so before he, that. He as may well. have done
1: two murders
0: and then All saved two people's lives. Yeah. So he's even. He's basically good. So he's, like, you know. In like the sort of video game scale of like, like Paragon Renegade, he's like right in the middle there. Jesus.
2: Is it really still murder if God is working through you and granting you the power to kill people? Because murder, yeah.
0: I mean, no court could convict him,
2: right? I think
0: it
1: is. Plenty of
2: people in the Bible kill in God's name.
1: You don't think it's still murder? Is it like technically just smiting then?
2: I mean it must not be because it's like one of the ten commandments, thou shalt not kill, but plenty of people God tells plenty of people like go to war. But this. God
1: God killed these people, not Lenny.
2: Yeah, Lenny was just a vessel for God. He wasn't even conscious.
1: I mean, I feel like if we were getting seriously Tom Ludic about this, it would be like uh-huh. right, the commandment is that you do not have the authority to kill, to like choose uh, to kill people, right? right? That like you don't get to decide who lives and who dies. Only but the God, state has the monopoly on legitimate use of yes. power. Yeah. God as as a uh a social worker with a gun, uh God, yeah. <laughs> I mean yeah, God loves broken windows. That's why. That's why all the church. That's why all the church windows are big and made of stained glass, so that, wow. that God can make wow. sure to see if they're broken.
0: Yeah. Is this a Giuliani thing? Or? No.
1: It's a, I mean, it's a sort of broader God being a, a state use of violence. God. God, God cop. Uh, coming to NBC.
0: Yeah.
1: This fall. Um, yeah, but he 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 does do this resurrection, uh, and we do have a lot hey. of interesting theological hey. questions.
0: That's
1: the name of the show. Oh, yeah. That is the name of the show. This is the resurrection. Yeah. If you're listening, uh, I assume everyone who listens to this podcast listens with their significant other. If you were doing that, please lean over to your significant other and whisper, that's
3: people Bull resurrection.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Uh, yeah, and, and then and then Esther goes, I think, where we would have expected her to go at the beginning of the season. She mm. winds up in Venice. Mm-hmm. She goes to join the Lenny Cult. Yes, mm-hmm. she goes to join the Lenny Cult, where she is sort of met immediately by the woman who is the head of the Lenny Cult. Right. Um, it's weird, right? Like, why hasn't she gone to Venice yet? I guess just because, like, the show wanted to do this plot. But, like, that's the obvious place for her to go from junk.
2: Maybe it's painful for her. Like... yeah. Or she feels ashamed, maybe, of, like, how far she's fallen and considers being near Lemony, like, being in the proximity to God in a way. But I could be overthinking It is
0: weird, though. Like, why did he have to do all of these maneuverings to get her there? It's to show her, like, because I think what it is is it's... Not actually, like, the most artful way it could have been done, because it feels like it's just, like, oh, she's, like, fallen now. She's, like, fallen from grace. Like, she begins the season ruined and just, like, makes her situation worse, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And now she's, like, reached, like, the bottom
1: and the thing that's worse about it is I feel like the most effective moment in her plot for the entire season is, like, that first cut. Yeah, right. right. When she's, like, telling the story on TV and then it cuts to her getting paid, like, 200 euro by the producer. Mm-hmm. It's like, you get it. Like, mm-hmm. that's where she is. And she doesn't really deviate from that. Right. I mean, I'm not, like, you know, I, I'm not going to say no to a, a papal strangling, but it just feels like we could have gotten one. I mean, there could have been a papal strangling in the bunker. There could have been.
0: Yeah, it's just, it's weird. Like, when you step back and look at it, yeah, again, it's like just, Astro's subplot is so just, like, kind of full of these stock narratives and images. And, like, again, we're getting back to Sorrentino's weaknesses, I think, around disability and, um, like, sex work as well, where, like, rather, they're not really, they're kind of just deployed to, advance the plot in certain ways but Mm -hmm. in very like predictable not very interesting ways
2: yeah the the characters who have are given some sort of disability on the show they don't have interior lives of their own at all right
0: yeah Yeah. we talked about this a lot last week yeah but yeah it's like no it's still
1: it gets worse in this episode probably yeah because it's like that and then we also get more of like Voyello being like, I've brought the most beautiful flower to your greenhouse. And then he just like puts his hand on Girolamo. A human boy.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Also, okay, so like last season, I think we were supposed to think that he was Vo- Girolamo's father, but he's not.
2: Yeah, I wondered he, that too. He
1: just like takes him with him to this greenhouse. Like that seems weird. Does he have a dad? Does he have family? Like, I, does he live with
2: Voyello? Because Voyello keeps referring to him as his friend. Yeah. But, it, like, friendships are generally a two-way sort of...
1: Well, I do think that's supposed to be part of, like, how... Like, that's, like, how Voyello talks about it, because he mm. clearly, like, either does actually have an actual sort of, like, conversation with him, or he, like, created this in- interior life for that he's, like...
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know how we're projecting supposed to read
1: onto? That. Yeah, 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 I don't know how we're supposed to read that.
0: But I genuinely, yeah, I'm like, wait a second. What is his role? <laughs> what is the relationship between these two people? Is he like his caretaker or like No, he has a guardian. He has, yeah. yeah, he has like a guardian. So like, he's just, I guess they are just pals. But for that, yeah, like they, I guess they just hang out a lot. Because maybe, I guess he is Boyle's only friend. Yes. Although he does reference having other friends at some
1: point. They're all just laughing out of frame. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's, I mean, I guess you have to imagine the Voyello, like, showed up and said to the caretaker, like, do you want to go hang out in a greenhouse for a while? And his caretaker was like, okay, <laughs> like, I guess. With, like, the oldest <clears> man <throat> in the world? Yeah. <laughs> do you guys to see this guy. He's
0: crazy days. old. <laughs>
2: super old.
1: Yeah, it's really, but he's he's out of the picture, uh, which is sort of what allows this, like, catastrophe to happen at the end of the episode. Because they finally do the interview. Um... And, like, oof. At the very beginning, like, Branix asks the butler, to his butler Danny, if he thinks his parents will watch, which is, like, the most sort of, like, oh, sad God. child. Like, do you think my parents are going to come to the talent show? Yeah. You know, like, they're going to get here as soon as they can. Like, they have, like, sort of very late work meetings.
2: Traffic was real bad.
1: Yeah, Exactly um and that's like very uncomfortable we get this like squad shot of them walking to the interview which is i think very consciously mirrors uh the the dream sequence at the beginning of the first episode of the young pope
3: Mm -hmm.
1: when when lenny has this like squad shot of them walking so that he can deliver the speech about masturbating um and and he he goes to do the interview in his office does not go great. Um, I don't know, do you guys have thoughts on like the way that he talks about Adam in this interview in contrast to like the rest of the season? Like does it feel like we've gotten any more information about this relationship or no?
2: I think he's telling the truth in a, in a way about how he became more religious after Adam's passing. I you know, I think I don't think he was making it all up just for show. But I also think that's why And this is moving ahead a little bit. That's why he just ends up walking out. Like, it's just too much. It's too intense for him.
1: Yeah, and he does, I mean, like we were saying earlier, like, he talks about this as basically turning his life into this extended stasis period, uh, where he has what he calls something hidden, this, like, scorching religiosity that he then sort of decides to share with the world. His, quote, secret devotion. Um, Which is just
2: guilt. And shame Yeah, is what it seems like. Which I feel like,
1: I, I don't want to sort of speak out of school because I, I am not Catholic, does not feel like a secret devotion to be like, I'm Catholic, I have a lot of like built up guilt and shame, that I'm keeping secret. <laughs> <laughs> Shh, don't tell anybody. Um, But but he, he does talk about this a little bit, uh, you know, and he's like, I grew up by myself on the outskirts of London on my estate. Uh, which I wish I could remember the, all the dialogue because it, it, almost, it almost seemed like John Malkovich was going to start doing the Dr. Evil monologue yeah. oh from God. the first Austin Powers. Like, very normal, so the meat helmets. Um, but that does not happen. He also says uh, he calls himself a priest who has or had the good fortune to be more loved by God than he is by himself. Do you think he's lying when he says that, given how often he said this season that God does not like him? But he likes himself even less. Yeah, okay. is what he's saying. I Got think,
2: it. Yeah, it's deep, deep self-loathing. Mm-hmm.
1: That makes sense. Do you also think that he's come to believe that God loves him even if God doesn't like him, or do I you think, think that's like too hair splitty?
0: No, I I think that's actually right. Um, yeah, I think he is positing that like, uh, oh, God loves everyone, but like he doesn't like me. Yeah.
1: He's always like, he's just like, yeah. He's like, I don't have a favorite one of my children. And then it just immediately, God's like, I don't care for John.
0: <laughs> God. And I didn't realize that. I can't believe we missed this the first time we watched this scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But like when he starts twigging out. I he's assume, nodding off. Yeah. Well, yeah. I assumed it was just like he was like freaking out because he wasn't up to the pressure and he's a bad pope. But like, um, I keep forgetting that pervert's name. Um Spalletta. Like, because, so before, yeah, he's, like, uh, his his butler comes and is, like, do you want the box? And he's, like, I think I'll manage without it. And then he starts just, like, his eyes, like, start defocusing and he's just, like, nodding off and stuff and, um and like, freaking out. And Spilett is, like, we have to stop. And they're, like, are you crazy? And he's, like, he's going into withdrawal. And it's, like, oh, the box was heroin. Like, right. so whoever had heroin, like... I guess you win. Yeah, right? bingo. Yeah, yeah.
1: I you mean, feel good about yourself. Who had heroin? Uh, congratulations to all of our listeners who are part of the extended Sackler family.
3: Oh my god!
1: Some really great product placement for you guys this episode.
0: Wow! What if inside the box was just one of Sonic the Hedgehog's quills?
2: Oh, that's too much.
1: I can't. And he's just juicing. We made it. How sorry, sorry, how long into the recording did we make it before uh, we mentioned Sonic the Hedgehog, a almost, movie that we saw two days ago?
0: Almost 50 minutes.
1: Wow, that's pretty good, actually. Pretty good. I
0: think I've shown extraordinary respect. Yeah, I think that's true, actually. <laughs> I mean,
1: we'll maybe we'll have a segment at the end sort of talking about the religious leanings of uh, one Dr. Ivo Robotnik,
0: but yeah, no, this is I think the because this, this is the confirmation, this is the confirmation of what's in the box. Yeah, we had, we now know conclusively,
1: yeah what's in the box we've we've our our long running segment what's in the box has now come to an end um yeah but he's going through withdrawal and like before we get into what that causes i'm curious like why do you think he does that like does it is it like a self-sabotage thing Mm. i think he's like
0: trying to prove himself that he can at like the worst possible Mm -hmm. moment yeah
2: yeah, I think he wants to believe that he can still be a good pope and is up to, like, sort of the mess that just got dumped in his lap by Boyello and Spoletta. Well, Voyello's just telling him about it. He didn't cause it. But you know what I mean. And, like, I, I, you know, it's like, I can do it. I'm fine. I'm a great pope. Also,
0: does he know that Spiletta knows?
1: Yes. So because, that might because, be part of it, too. Yes, because yeah. remember in the in the first episode when they talk, Spiletta Asks him if he still keeps the box.
0: Oh, right. Right. That's
1: sort of the moment where their initial conversation has this, like, curdle to it. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: So he knows that Spoletta knows. And he's, like, stuck in this fucking mess with him. And I think maybe that's, like, the impetus for him to try to. He's like, I'm going to stop right now. Right before this, like, the biggest fucking thing I'm going to do. That's the best time for me to stop using heroin.
1: Yeah. Um, And that
0: does not go well. No, it
1: does not. Because they're talking about evil. He says that his priority is evil, which leads the interviewer to ask about uh, sex abuse in the church and what he's going to do about it.
0: Also, can I say this interviewer like doesn't look very impressed the whole time. He looks very just like kind of like annoyed that he has to be there interviewing the Pope.
2: He's really skeptical of the institution. Yeah. yeah he's, he's, okay. like a, he's like a
1: professional. Okay. Yeah. You know, like he's he,
2: Isaac Tottenham. <laughs>
1: He's what? Isaac yeah. <laughs> Oh, you're like, oh, God. Like, you see this, like, New Yorker thing go up. And he's like, we talked to the Pope about oh why God. he's, like, cool sex abuse. You're like, oh, no, you should not have done this. <laughs> Sophia, like, what well, you best, you did not do your job good. Because <laughs> he, he, he is, like – he does a really good job of, like, luring him into this, though. Because he starts with all, of, like, the soft questions that you would expect. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, getting the chance to go through – You know all the stuff about oh here's my life and here's my feeling about the church and God and then he but he provides this opportunity although I also think like I don't know if this was necessarily it doesn't have to be antagonistic right Mm -hmm. because we've gotten multiple indications earlier in the season that Brandex actually does care a lot about sexual abuse, mm-hmm. and that he has like things that he wants to do to deal with it, mm-hmm. and he could have just talked about that platform, mm-hmm. but he cannot because he is going through withdrawal.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Right. His plan to let priests marry. Oh yeah. The middle way. Yeah. yeah. He, oh. he
0: said he was going to talk about that in the interview. Oh
1: yeah, mm-hmm. and he doesn't. That's so true. Hmm. I wonder what would have like. I mean, that would have been like. I don't know. Do you think he was planning to, or do you think he had, like, forgotten by this point because he had stopped being horny for Sophia?
2: I'm sure he still planned on it, honestly, and I understood that to maybe be one of the reasons he decided, okay, now is the time for me to do this interview, and he didn't use the heroin in his box kind of at the same time. He was trying to take control, I think, in a way, and it just did not work well for him at all in the end.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, he, he does, like... I hope his parents weren't watching the interview. He just whoa. leaves. <laughs> yeah, he, he is mad <laughs> Sorry, I gotta, my mom says I gotta go, actually. <laughs> uh, yeah, and he, like, walks out, and everyone's like, what the fuck? Uh, we see when Esther goes to the, meet the Lenny cult, that the crowd is bigger than it e- has ever been. Mm-hmm. The total number of breaths has gone down a lot. We're down to, like, the hundreds mm-hmm. by the middle of this episode. Like, I don't know where, like... Where are we at with the the church? does not seem to be in a good way at this moment,
2: right?
0: No, we're in the middle of like the long dark night of the
1: soul. Yeah, it's sure.
2: definitely a moment of crisis. Uh,
1: yeah, and and we like are are. I I think they will they will be showing this in promos. I I think we can say, Con, like, I don't think this is a spoiler. He's back, folks.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was in the promos for this season. Yeah, yeah. it's ne- next week. I think. Oh, Lenny.
1: Yes.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I don't think anyone thinks that he's like not wait. We- Jude Law did not just like isn't top billed to like lay
1: in his bed. It would be that would be very funny. <laughs> it
0: if, would be, and he occasionally shows up in like every three episodes As just goes, to like yeah. smile at someone, yep. kind
2: of smirk a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah God.
0: No. no, I mean, clearly he's the back. countdown is to him
1: coming back. Yes uh and that like talk about a crisis of legitimacy for john paul iii like i don't know like i also don't know like is there anybody still in the vatican who were like i don't know if we're like so i mean I, not that it matters right like i think it sort of is very simplistic to be like oh like who are we rooting for in the vatican but also just like everyone seems Wait, to have who really are goofed. the good guys though because i'm confused I'm confused with this show. Who, oh, are the I mean, Voyella who is the good I think, Voyella I think,
0: I think it's Voyello. Yeah, Voyello is oh, definitely. Oh, is it Voyello? Okay. Yeah. He has to be. He's the good person? He, yeah. He's who I should model my behavior on?
2: mean not quite <laughs> there has to we be, can't, be a character we can't,
1: we can't go down this road there has to be it's Jesus okay it's all oh. he's he's not an active character he's an unseen character much like oh. Norm's much like Norm's wife in Cheers mm-hmm. everyone's always like you yeah. just missed or him Maris. You ju- yeah he was yes he was just like he's right out of frame mm-hmm. you guys keep missing Jesus like I'm or sorry wait, wait
0: there's like another unmentioned oh or Columbo's wife
1: yes exactly what is it with
0: wives and just being like huh it's almost like sexism. <laughs> uh,
1: but, but, like, yeah, everything is in this weird state of disarray. We haven't even really talked about the fact that Sophia's marriage is, like, pretty fucked now. Yeah, I mean,
0: you just find out your husband's a pedophile. I feel like that
1: that's pretty much. Yeah, we that's get, this, it. We get yeah. this moment of her, like, looking in the mirror at their apartment, but it, like, looks kind of like a funhouse mirror. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, what yeah. if I become my sweetest friend? Uh, like, that's, like. Worse than finding out your husband's like a secret
0: redditor, yeah, yeah, He's, like just like posting on Reddit to like just be a fucking asshole, like
2: yeah, I yeah, I don't think those
1: things are comparable.
0: I I, I can't. I'm trying to think of like what. I feel like they both crossed the threshold, so it doesn't matter. Like at that point, how bad they are, it's like they both crossed the event horizon. <laughs>
1: I don't know, there's like a very real victim, like there are like sort of victims if you're like a mean person on Reddit, but there's not like an actual high school student who is being violated by these. Uh, m- high school people use Reddit. <laughs> Fair. The high school users of Reddit are definitely the bullies in this oh, instance. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, they
0: are bullying like 40 year olds. <laughs> yeah.
1: Who <laughs> are just like, I just wanted some advice about how to make my grill work better. <laughs> Uh, but, but, like, because it, it really, you know, we knew that they were, I guess, like, sort of evil. But this is some real scummy shit. Yeah. Uh, and it's worse than we've gotten from basically any other character in the Vatican at this point. Great. And it's, like, I don't know. Like, that is, you know, up in the air. Ascente nominally has become Secretary of State, but, like, we don't know what he's going to do. He'll be a terrible Cardinal State. Mm. The worst. I mean, that's I miss James Cromwell. We all do. Uh, but he, he, you know, I mean, I think we sort of know. Like, if there's one thing we've gotten from Asente this season, it's that he too, like John Paul the Third, is pathologically horny. He is pretty horny, yeah. Uh, and they both are just like very sort of easily overwhelmed.
0: But unlike uh, Gutierrez, they. Just don't do anything about it. Yes, right. And they just like get hornier and hornier.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, like, how do we feel about this being the place where we are two thirds of the way through the season? I'm, I'm super, I feel like we actually have gotten through the episode like pretty quick. Like, how, how are we feeling about the season as a whole? Let's do a, a heat check.
0: It's kind of weird that like <laughs> we're like there's three episodes left and Lenny isn't awake yet. Yeah, And like we've spent so much time just like, like I feel like the first two thirds of this show are just like the church just like in free fall. Mm-hmm. Like with like little moments where they like hit a, it's like a cartoon character falling off a tree and like hitting branches on the way down that kind of temporarily stops them. yeah. But then the branch falls out. It's like, that's when they get Branix and they're like, Oh great. Like um, strawberry we can hold on to. And then that like falls out of the cliff and then they keep falling right? or it somehow makes it worse. Like, Oh, they just grabbed poison ivy. Um and like this is like they have just like hit the bottom. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, they're just eating themselves alive at this point.
1: And yeah, like okay, um, this is gonna be a controversial question. (laughs) What do you guys think this season is about?
2: Oh man, because like
1: I think there are a lot of different ways that you could articulate what you thought The Young Pope was about. Uh, but that are all sort of, like, interesting and, and that it, it presents this, like, central character in a way that refracts a lot of your own interests, mm-hmm. right? Like, I think, right, Sarah, it sounds like you're coming at this from a very different perspective of, like, oh, it's really interesting that this guy is, like, a saint or, it, you know, yeah. is an atheist who can do miracles. And I came at it very much from the perspective of, like, this is the fucking best, like, weird, like, parody prestige TV character being played by, like, Mm-hmm. a sort of slightly older movie star, but that he contains multitudes. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is this season about? It's about perversions of love. <laughs> For the hundredth
0: time, Bran was just fucking straight up told us what the season was about. And it's, that's also what the young Pope is about because it's about fucking like the psychology of early childhood and like how badly uh, families fuck people up. And like then how they like, try to resolve those crises in ways that range from like getting involved in the church to like drugs to all these different things and like the two main characters of the young pope and the new pope both have like parental trauma and like that's their main motivator
2: yeah yeah that's
0: to me the main thing that this season at least is about
2: yeah, you know, especially within the first few episodes of this season, I kind of thought it was going to be about a conflict between fundamentalism and a more moderate approach to faith. Because, I mean, he literally calls it the middle way, which is not subtle mm-hmm. at all. Right. And, and yeah. talks about, like, letting priests marry. Both sides. Right. Which, you, like, if Pius were awake, you can imagine how he would react to that, right? Um, but. I think that's a theme. I don't know if that's necessarily what the show is about, though.
0: Well, now that you say that, it's striking to me how little of this season is actually about, like, the church's policy or like, yeah, like religion. Except for like those first couple of episodes where Francis takes over. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just about like interpersonal relationships for the most part. Yeah. Um, and how they're shaped by like different institutions. Whereas the first season, like a lot of it was about that. Right. Um, and like, yeah, you'd think like going in, like, oh, Brannix is going to, yeah, like
2: mm-hmm. be
0: this, like moderate, but he just basically does nothing. And like, instead he just, he's horny and, uh, incompetent and Woo. like.
2: Maybe that's a commentary on moderates. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. oh, <wow, laughs> yeah. Oh, <Sorry>. uh, yeah. Damn. <laughs> I had
0: that thought too.
2: <laughs> Sorry to get all made up, but like the
0: only significant like policy, like Vatican policy decisions, I feel like that get made so far in the season are around the nun strike.
1: Because what what decisions though?
0: Well, like what Voyella
1: does in this episode, basically, which is
2: all behind the scenes. Though. Yeah, and that's not yeah. like
1: big Vatican, right? No, that's no like yeah, that's right. like still sort of like managerial. Yeah, yeah.
2: and like. John Paul III could care less. No. Right.
0: But like when Jude Law comes in, there are all these like sweeping big things of like. Right. Here's like the church is going to ban this. I'm like sending these people here for doing this. Well, he's an incrementalist.
2: And he he also has. Well, he has convictions. Mm -hmm. He has like actual convictions. Like he may not believe. Like he's not sure if there's a God, but he does have very strong convictions. And like the character of Branix, he's so wrapped up in his interpersonal drama that he has no convictions that I can tell.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah,
2: I mean, I do think like, I think, yeah, he cares about child sex, sexual abuse. He wants to do something about it. You know, he he believes, at least in in the middle way. Um, But yeah, he just everything else. He just doesn't care about. He's really concerned about appearances.
1: And it does. It does. Like, I don't know if you get this impression. It feels to me like every time I hear brannocks talk about sex abuse in the church he's talking about it theoretically yeah like it's a thing that he knows that he's supposed to care about because he's the pope and he like he does care about it
2: he knows it's bad (laughs) right he he,
1: he knows it's bad he's like he's like i don't in fact have to hand it to them um but but he doesn't right he doesn't it doesn't feel like he has sort of authentically come by that priority and it doesn't yeah. feel like he's authentically come by like how could he beliefs.
0: he's like never like actually as far as i can tell like worse in a church or anything right exactly like he's yeah. just lived in this house on his own his whole life yeah I he has keep... no idea how to like deal with society
2: yeah i think that it comes back to it being a class thing where he comes across as a very aloof um like very character who like basically lives in his own head and Almost literally an ivory tower, just not in the academic sense. Uh, and so he's he's very aloof and sort of removed from everything. He's a sort of person who like lounges around in a suit in the evening, which is just psychopathic. Honestly, I think it's <laughs> good actually. <laughs> <laughs> he has great style, but like it's after
1: six. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
2: right.
0: he's not a farmer,
2: right? Uh, but 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 he doesn't have to care. He has other people to do the caring for him, and it, it you can tell like he's always sort of had this layer of insulation around him his whole life and his brother's death seems to be really the only thing in his life that has penetrated and broken through that layer of insulation
1: which also makes a lot of sense because it's like he's never had to get over that right like you would you would have to imagine if he like sort of had like a job or like some other shit to do that eventually he'd be like shit i have to go do this other stuff that i have to do and that's like right, part of, like, the grieving process is you go and, like, do other things and you sort of start to, like, yeah. reconnect with the rest of your life after this dislodging, and he's never had to do that, so he lives in that... His job is brooding. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, wow, yeah, much like Batman, uh, his, jo- his <laughs> yeah. job, his job is to be an angsty, grieving billionaire he basically who basically <laughs> is
0: Batman if Batman was the Pope. God.
1: Yeah, um... Grant Morrison got some got a pitch for you. Bat <laughs> Pope, uh, Pope but, man. he's
2: well, got a Pope mobile already.
1: Yeah. Wow. Well, well he got it right there. Uh, and Gutierrez honestly would be a delightful Robin. Oh, uh,
2: I like that. I'm, I'm ready to watch the show.
1: I want to see some fanfic.
2: I want or fan yeah. art. <laughs> yeah, please, <laughs>
1: please make us some fan art of the Pope as Batman and Gutierrez as Robin. Uh, But I I do actually want to – because we haven't talked about this a lot, actually, which I think is surprising. I I do want to spend at least a little bit of time uh, on, like, the broader class politics of the franchise. Because, like, I don't don't know if I would have said until now that it has, like, strong class politics. But this makes a lot of sense. It feels like, to me, Sorrentino is more just sort of, like, interested in things that he finds pretty – right and aesthetic and that that like his mm. personal aesthetic is very baroque and involves a lot of sort of expensive things but that he does not think about the like materiality of those things
2: yeah and i think there is more actually going on there but it, it just took me a while to maybe think that that was the case it took me like watching the obviously the first full season of, of the young pope and like getting to this point and and the new pope to actually sort of feel that there was more going on behind the service as far as class goes. But the more I think about it, the more I think that this is really sort of a, a major undercurrent in, in both seasons of the show. Like the, the spectacle of Esther gyrating in front of all these aristocratic mm-hmm. young men and like her strangling this really wealthy, really patronizing, really fucking perverted old we lady. We have to stand. Well, yeah. And it's just like I the message like, – okay, we, this comes back to Francis II being right, because mm-hmm. like, the money has corrupted them, the power has corrupted them, and I think Pius understood that, and uh, John Paul III is a lot slower to, to realize that, or by the time he does realize that, it's like the frog being slowly kind of boiled alive. He's just not as sensitive to it.
1: That And he also, I guess that, that makes a lot of sense also considering the actual objectives, right, of mm-hmm. like the conspirators where they they don't have like this big master plan like they don't have any like insane thing they just like are stealing a bunch of money from the Vatican yeah. and it's this very banal and like crude crime
0: yeah right well I feel like the sim- the most simple analysis of class that the show provides is just that like is about like the perversions of the upper class mm-hmm. kind of um which is always like kind of a complicated thing to portray but like if you think about it like all the super rich people in the show are like completely fucked up and um and the people who become fucked up i feel like who who aren't a part of that become that like through their engagement with yeah like through their entrance into that world mm-hmm. like Brannix, i mean not evil but like you know idleness and like just like kind of sloth sort of mm-hmm. um uh this woman like the mom
2: yeah um yeah
0: these conspirators like
2: yeah and i think he unfortunately uses disability to sort of drive home this case about there being sort of a psychological or spiritual deformity which yeah i wish that were not the case but i do think that's an element of what's going on
1: yeah wow so basically it seems like the theme of what we've been talking about for this whole episode is that the show is in fact about the story of a wealthy institution and the one cardinal who had no choice but to keep it all together. Is yeah. that is that kind of the conclusion that we're? we're There's we're,
2: always money in the banana stand.
1: In the in the, in the <laughs> it's just a banana stand, but it's like two bananas. and They're making a big cross. <laughs>
2: yeah. It's like a glowing
1: banana cross. Right. Oh my god. Uh, I mean, yeah that that does make a like. Wow, I, can't... I feel like that is
0: one of the most like common like based on my very limited experience with like italian and like other continental european media i feel like that is like one of the most common narratives like ways of talking about class is like shorthand for like the upper class as like depraved or like um degenerates basically uh and i'm super glad that there is no gay people uh in this one who are rich because that historically is like a pretty common way of doing that too yeah. yeah, there aren't
2: actually. I guess. No. Yeah, Gutierrez is uh, more of a sympathetic slash heroic yeah. type figure who who's, who's definitely not rich. Also. Yeah, yeah like and it, the scrappy. implication is that he truly did have like a real vocation or a real divine calling because mm-hmm. Pius is really envious of it.
1: Oh, they're so. Everyone's forgotten about Pius the Thirteenth. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's. I think that makes a lot of sense, and there are like, I mean, I guess Ascente is the closest we get to that.
0: To, like creepy pervert gay.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. or actually no, it's Luigi, right? Because remember, there's like that very brief scene earlier in the season where you see him like he's like sort of going about his day, collecting secrets on people, mm-hmm. and then he just like takes one of the other priest's heads and like pushes it down. Mm-hmm. And there's that. There's a very brief cut, and that just like we don't just keep moving. That. Yeah, we just like yeah, keep don't moving remember that, on. Either. It's really bizarre. I don't. Hmm. I don't know. Weird. I, 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 uh, uh, wow, maybe this is also me, like, misremembering a lot of things. I don't, I think this does happen, uh, but that, I think Asente is the closest we get to that, right? Like, there isn't really any, anyone else who, who comes close. And even, like, I don't know, I, I think he's sort of a broadly sympathetic, if also sort of slightly, uh, pathetic character. Mm
0: -hmm. At the same time, though, I don't think that it's, like, really, this season especially is, like, really... those things I think it just posits like wealth as like one more thing that fucks up relationships between people Mm -hmm. uh, along with like heroin heroin uh or like like religious devotion or um like lust for power like all of these different things that Mm -hmm. um either people like use as substitutes or that are pre-existing systems that like fuck with that stuff Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, all that stuff is so fucked up combined. Like, imagine how fucked up it would be if we lived in a world in which people had a uh, fundamentalist devotion, but it was to money. Like, Whoa. I can't imagine what that would be like because nobody acts that way now. But it, it, I bet it would be, like, pretty messed up. hmm <laughs> Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, maybe... Speaking of things that are not messed up, we should close out the uh, talking about this episode, and then I guess we'll see if we have anything else we want to get to. But with, uh, uh, I would say, probably the most <clears throat> sympathetic and interesting characters, or some of the most interesting characters, uh, who also happen to be some of the poorest characters because they can't get 200 euro to send... Uh, one of the nuns to visit her mom mm-hmm. uh, because we get moving all the way back to the opening credits we do get confirmation in this episode that the sophie tucker dance party is diegetic
3: mm-hmm. uh,
1: we get these cuts to the abbess like dancing and you know the the mix has changed a little bit and it's clear that she's like dancing to sophie tucker in her office uh and it's really 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 good And everyone is just, like, hanging out, and they're partying, and then they all lie down in the middle of the floor Mm -hmm. as the music changes to these sort of overwrought strings that then cuts immediately to Lenny's hospital room. Mm -hmm. And I want to talk about these two symbols, I think, because these are two rooms that have big, glowy crosses in them, and we have not talked about sort of whether there are intentional similarities between them and the things that are happening in those settings. Like, I don't know. And it's a thing I am sort of interested in thinking about, because that other than the sort of big, obvious, glowy connection. Like, I don't know if there's anything else there.
2: Yeah, that maybe God is on their side in both cases. Like, the nuns are clearly in the right, and Voila tells them this, actually, at the end of the episode. Like, that they have, he's, as one of his last acts, you know, he doesn't just hand out all these boons. Like, sure, you can keep your baby. We'll pretend it's an orphan. He also says that they have to keep fighting and that they're in the right. And, of course, Mm -hmm. we kind of already knew with Pius that God is working through him in some manner, even if we're not quite sure what's going on. But that's my that's my only thought about. Yeah, that's, yeah. I think
0: that's what I would probably say as well.
1: Yeah, I think I think if I was going to add anything, um, like I don't know, there there's this weird. I think one thing I'm appreciating more uh, as we sort of watch all these episodes for a second time is even though it feels weird and bad in some ways, the absence of Pius the 13th is felt very strongly and is like built into the structure of the season in a major way. And like, I found that this juxtaposition of this sort of like big ecstatic, beautiful moment with the, this, you know, also big, but like empty room, Mm -hmm. uh, a really interesting connection between this sort of big relatively life-affirming thing that's happening and then the like stasis of of, of Lenny's absence mm-hmm. and I don't really know where you would go deeper with that but it does feel like that position feels very uh intentional to me and I, I don't know exactly what we're supposed to take away from it
2: yeah no um, it's interesting
1: other than that Paolo sorrentino thought it would be cool
0: <laughs> um, See, here's the thing i'm not convinced that palo sorrentino even knows sometimes
1: oh absolutely not like no.
0: i don't think he's the kind of artist where like trying to decipher things always is the best way to go because i think he is just like oh you know what would be cool like a giant
1: glowing cross <laughs>
0: yeah, right. and then he's like oh wait didn't you have one in that other scene too and he's like Yes, yeah, don't
1: worry about it. <laughs> we'll, we'll cut between them. It'll be like a whole thing. Yeah. And I, I, that's actually true. I do I do appreciate that a lot. He's uh sort of not making uh, Paolo Sorrentino's Inception uh, very <laughs> alarming. God. Although, speaking of interesting choices that he's made, uh, I also wanted to uh, briefly show you guys, because we, we were talking about this while watching the episode, yeah. about the characters who are showing up in Esther's subplot and the actors who are playing them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I found out the, the name of the actor who plays Adanasio, the, the sort of, like, main boy in this this plot. The wolf boy. Yes. Well, yes. If, if you would, like, want to call it. I, this poor horror. The actor who plays him is named Enea Barozzi, and I have pulled up his Instagram page. I would love to show you guys some photos of him and then get your thoughts on sort of how he measures up portraying this character. So this is him.
0: What the fuck? Oh my god. What the he's fuck? He's just like a hot guy, Instagram guy with like a fucking huge ass jaw. He has
2: bone structure.
0: Yeah, he has the kind of bone structure that uh, guys on bodybuilding forums Very like, pouty
2: lips. Actually, how old is he? I over. feel creepy. He's,
1: uh, I believe he's 19. Okay.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, so he definitely just, they just dressed him up like a teen wolf. Yeah. Like, I guess they're going for like here, pseudism or something but that makes so, like, it work that makes it worse okay it does that character, like that character just plays up like the horror vibes in the episode a few episodes ago where like the kind of like furry hand reaches for her yeah and we see his full face in this episode and he just looks like a teen wolf
3: mm-hmm. yeah
0: it's really bad it's like he looks like a like a seth green in buffy the vampire slayer halfway through transforming into a oh, werewolf
3: god
1: Wow, we're we in between Arrested Development and Oz from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We've done some real good topical references this episode. Yeah, I hope you watched TV twenty years ago. <laughs> well, I did. Uh, yeah, and it's 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 it weird because like there are a lot of shots of his face in this episode. And it's not clear to me what they're supposed to be doing. Like, we get this shot of him either laughing or crying as Esther drives away, and I couldn't tell which it was. I think he's crying. Yeah, That's no, what I, thought too, yeah I think he's is distressed. Like, yeah.
2: I think Esther was right. Like, he did form a, a connection to well,
1: her. Also, we, she just did kill his
0: mom.
2: But He doesn't, he doesn't know
1: that. He's in his room. He could have seen it. I don't know. He could have been. I don't know. she. It seems like the mom kind of, like, keeps him locked up in there.
2: I bet he doesn't like his mom.
1: Yeah, that too. Well, I mean, I wouldn't either. Like, his uh, mom is, like, incestuously.
2: Obsessed.
1: Yeah. And so, like, I imagine he does not like her. Uh, but, but there's also this shot when the mom is, like, firing Esther. Mm-hmm. Of him, like, peeking out from behind a pillar mm-hmm. and, like, staring at them. And you don't, I, I, like, find it very hard to read what we're supposed to be getting from him. Um, which I think is, like, sort of part of the problem, right? That he, they, like, have constructed this character like all of the other sort of disabled characters.
2: Yeah, he's a complete cipher. Yeah.
1: Uh, and it's, it's, like, weird and, and, like, not fantastic, because I think that there are, like, a lot of bad decisions that got us to the place where this was the thing happening, Mm -hmm. but you could imagine, uh, again, like, a version of it where he is, like, a character, actually. And you maybe get yeah. a scene where they're like actually connecting in some way that's not yeah. like him sort of doing a pieta where he's like hugging her while she like rides in front of all of his friends, yeah, uh, just very, very bizarre, yeah, I don't know they're they're like is there something that we're missing? I feel like there is like a like i don't know there there feel it feels like there's some weird like religious component to the, the way that Sorrentino depicts these characters, but I, I still have not been able to sort of, like, fully... We
0: kind of talked about that last week. Yeah,
1: movie. yeah. Dude, to, like, but like, why, though?
0: Uh, I mean, right. the least generous reason would be that he's kind of lazy in that, like, he hasn't really stopped to, like, think about how these images are... Are like used or why they exist or how they're reproduced, which like kind of sucks and is like not in this case, like not them. It would be easier for me to believe that if this weren't a show that we're otherwise so concerned with and attentive to symbolism Mm
1: -hmm. and Um, to like people's bodies. Yeah. Like the show I think is really like I actually think that the, the sort of like one explanation is just that he is like has, like, a very sort of, like, abstract aesthetic interest in people's bodies. Yeah. And, and like, has not, d- does not think about that as, like, coming I think across. I that, that could be it, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I feel, yeah, I, superficially, it's just, like, it me- meant to illustrate that it's an act of, of mercy that right, yeah. that she's delivering, and i think that provides her a way to justify it exactly to to herself as a holy a holy act
0: right we couldn't just have the esther sex work subplot like without there being something else there
2: right yeah they weren't gonna put her on the street they were gonna be like right
0: and unfortunately the way he deploys this stuff is like pretty rote and and creepy (laughs) and kind of boring right but like i see what he is trying to do um but, right. but again, it feels like he's basically trying to maneuver Est- like Esther's character into this position mm-hmm. by the end of this episode. That like doesn't seem entirely necessary to me. And it of all the characters in the show, like I feel like she is in this season like the least effectively realized. Yeah. Um, for the majority, from the for the first couple episodes, it's great. Um, but like comparing her depiction
1: or like she's her, in a totally scene. different show she's yeah. a,
0: she's doing a different show yeah like she's like compare what she gets um to sophia mm-hmm. and like sophia's character is like great in this season and yeah. really interesting and wow like,
1: like right. it's pretty fucked up that you could only ever i make can only p- ever pit, pit, pit women <laughs> against <laughs> each other yeah um
2: yeah it's not that he can't write women he clearly right can. yeah
1: uh yeah, Sophia, she's such a
0: Sophia's good character. Sophia's so good in the season, and it yeah. just feels like he didn't know how to, what to do with with Esther. Right, he, like,
1: wanted to keep her around, And but he's, like, "I have know. to keep
0: her, like, doing something for, like, these episodes, and then she can finally end up here. And it's, like, not really, I, I might be missing something really obvious, but it's, like, not really clear to me why she couldn't just, like, end up there in the first place.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but... I'll think about that some more because probably there is, like, maybe it wouldn't have made sense in some way.
1: I do appreciate that she did a strangle.
0: I guess the Lenny cult couldn't have, like, provided her money or, like, housing, right? Like, she couldn't come to them until she was, like,
1: stable.
2: Right, right.
1: I would have enjoyed it if she, if instead of it starting and she, like, uh... Uh, you know, it's like, oh, her husband has, like, left her for some reason. Mm-hmm. I kind of would have enjoyed it if at the very beginning she just, like, left her husband and was like, I'm going to fucking hang with the Lenny Cole yeah. later.
2: Yeah. Yeah. bias you're a weird kid. I'm hates.
1: leaving you here. She hates her husband. I mean, she doesn't hate her husband. But, like, they 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 have, I think, by far the, like, most uncomfortable sex scene in this entire show, which is really saying something.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was definitely, I felt like, the implication was she was really just... Trying to have a kid.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean which makes sense because she is devout, right? right. On that axis of like a good operator mm-hmm. and not devout to devout not like she's she's a very devout person. Perversions of love. <laughs> is that She's trying to have
0: a, a child to have purpose, I feel like. Yeah. It's definitely like that's what she's looking meaning. for in like the first season. Um and because she like can't do that, that becomes like the only thing that will create meaning. But yeah. then once it is there. It's like, whoops, that didn't fix your life. Um, In fact, now your life's even more fucked up. Like, I guess you should go join a cult. Right. Which again, textbook. I mean- I feel like Paolo Sorrentino just read like Drama of the Gifted Child and was like, I'm gonna write a show about that, but everyone is also like Catholic and in the
1: Vatican. I think there is another possibility that we're not considering, which is the same reason I would join the Lani cult, the sweatshirts are very good. They are good sweatshirts. They do have
2: good swag. Like. I would wear that sweatshirt. Like,
0: really, they should. Sophia should be like, what if we released a John Paul the sweatshirt?
1: No one would wear it though. Like, no. well, welcome. No one would wear those whack
2: ass. <laughs> <on. laughs> no.
1: We've we have collaborated with Supreme on a line I am calling Supreme Pontiff.
2: He would say that. He totally <sighs> would say that.
1: We but, have dropped the kicks.
2: And God, that's I'm why going why... to wear some busted
0: ass
1: Branixes. <laughs>
2: <for> <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> I just got the new Lenny's off eBay. The of oh, oh. Unboxing
2: them. That's
0: so
1: horrible. Unboxing uh, day. You gotta open oh your Rannix's on Boxing Day. That's so terrible. But also, he totally would have like, Toy. Or it's like a Because, like, also, remember, all of Spoletta's creative pitches are like terrible, really expensive things. Mm-hmm. And you have to imagine Spoletta could just, like, show up and be like, I want us to collaborate with Kanye West <laughs> on shoes.
2: Oh my god. <laughs>
1: and they're just, like, fucking terrible shoes. they <laughs> oh oh beige.
2: God. And they're too large. Uh,
0: but what if he just like came in and was like, "I want to collaborate with like one of those Japanese virtual
3: idols."
1: <laughs> <laughs> Imagine can we, yeah, like uh, somehow can someone go on cameo and pay John Malkovich to, to say how to
3: meet you. <laughs>
0: But he has to say it in the John Brennan accent. <laughs> yeah, like, in his fake English
1: accent. He's just like, he's just like, what is the soul of Hatsudebiku?
2: <laughs> like, is this like, is this an anime
1: thing? You have to, you have to, you have to explain okay. I, don't I can't do really it. I don't really
0: know that much about this, but basically, um, Japan has, is like so good at pop culture and pop stars mm-hmm. that they have invented, uh, Virtual ones. Oh wow! Who are like okay. not people, but they're like cartoons, and like, but they do concerts and like have TV shows and like me- merchandise. And Hatsune Miku wow. is probably like the most famous one at least here.
1: It's it's kind of like gorillas. Yeah, a little bit oh, like right. gorillas.
0: Except it's like oh, right. it's or like that that movie Michaela. Simone. Yeah. yeah, except there is like a whole culture that supports the existence of like yeah, it's, a it's like a real different thing. gorillas. Like wow. imagine if there were just yeah, if like. That okay. was just a major part of pop Holy culture.
1: Holy shit. Uh, yeah, that's
0: she, how su- at Tsunemiku. She collabed with Domino's Pizza one time. And the do- president of Domino's had to say how to
2: <laughs> I don't know how to process that sentence. <laughs> just... <laughs> Uh, wow. Wow. Okay. All this right. This is a good, but this
1: is a good. I like this I like this sort of like who should the Pope collab with? Mm-hmm. I think it's a very fruitful topic. Although I think we maybe have landed on the the correct answer of just the papal <laughs> collab with Hatsune Miku. You know who he's not collaborating with though. Jesus. <laughs> I was gonna say Meghan Markle, but also Jesus. Yeah,
2: Meghan Markle. He's clearly not a Meghan Markle fan. That's, just, yeah.
0: Well, also, like, all that stuff with them happened, like, right after the show started airing, <laughs> <again>. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. I guess. Like, I kind of
0: wonder if they would have still written that
2: in. He totally would have sided with the queen over Meghan and Harry. Yeah. 100%.
1: Oh, yeah. Branx. I met the queen once. She was no Hatsune Miku. <laughs> oh, God. Uh yeah, wow. Is that I don't I don't is I don't know if there's anywhere else we can go from it. Papal Hatsune Miku. Uh I don't know, do you guys have any other other thoughts about the the episode or or things that we you we wanna uh get in before we say our our last do last rites on this episode?
3: <laughs> uh
1: wow, okay. Yeah. Um we We'll see, uh, 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 talk to all of you next week when uh, Pius Thirteenth makes his triumphant reappearance. Uh, until then, thank you guys for listening to Papal Bull Resurrection. Mm-hmm. And Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. It really is delightful to uh, have actual knowledge of some of this material so that we <laughs> just are not sort of like tilting at windmills. Mm-hmm.
2: I'm glad my Bible, Bible minor came in useful. Christ
1: windmills.
2: <laughs> Where can people find you online? I... I'm always on Twitter, unfortunately. And so it's, it's just one Sarah Jones at one Sarah Jones on Twitter. Cool.
0: Uh, I'm Merit K on Twitter. Eric is at Eric Thurm. Uh, you can follow FanBite on Twitter at, at Fanbyte Media, not at fanbite. We are working on it. We're going to crush whoever has that <laughs> legally. Um, and, uh, go to fanbite.com to read a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, some of it is about Papal Bull, uh, and or you know the shows that it's based on much of it is not but i promise that it's still good Um,
1: keep keep an eye out for our, our bonus episode in which we sort of apply a spiritual lens to the sonic the hedgehog movie that's coming coming soon um yeah that uh also i think either right when
0: this episode comes out or maybe shortly thereafter uh gretchen felker martin longtime writer for the site I uh, just wrote a piece on like sex and imagery in these series. Um, so look out for that. You'll love it. And um, yeah, listen to our other podcasts. What, what, so else, what else would they love feed. to see? Uh, they would probably love to see, well, you can't really see it because it's a podcast, but you kind of see, hearing is seeing with your eyes, right? <laughs> so uh, yeah, we do a podcast called You Love to See It, which is a movie and TV podcast. We do uh fanwidth, which is the flagship fan bite podcast. And uh, there's some other stuff, too. There's like another feed um, that some stuff goes on there. And uh, Danielle Rando and I uh, just started a new podcast called Tentatively Titled East Coast Office Hours. And uh, the first one
1: of those just went up. So check that out. I am not why. Y- y'all's uh, podcast situation reminds me a lot of this season because there are too many popes. Ethan- a lot of podcasts.
0: There's yeah, there's a lot of them um, and we'll keep making them. Until, until you listen, until you listen to them, yeah. Uh, until you, there is no other choice but to listen to them. So, I think that's it, yeah, for this episode of Papal Bull Resurrection. And until next time, uh,
1: where are we're the, the post Pope now. The 13th <laughs> is a great poem, but life
0: evolves in spite of us. I'm many.